Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. It's both humbling and inspiring to hear a champion reveal something that's so relatable to all of us. That's why I want you to keep listening as we dive into part two of our conversation with Benita Fitzgerald Mosley. What are we waiting for? Let's get to it. There are a lot of things that we can debate, but this statement is not one of them. Middle school is a hard time for every kid. It's one of the things that inspired me to create my book series, The Middle School Rules, which chronicles the childhood of professional athletes who defied odds, overcame many challenges, and learned key lessons to accomplish their mighty, mighty dream. So I greatly appreciate that Benita Fitzgerald Mosley, a 14-time collegiate All-American and an Olympic gold medalist, and someone who shined throughout her career, could be so honest and candid about wrestling with her self-esteem in middle school. I'm excited for you to hear some context, but most of all, I hope you are all deeply encouraged by her insights. Let's get to it now. What was the most valuable lesson you learned through a challenger defeat? You know, I think the most important lesson for me was more the stick-to-itiveness that win or lose, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some, but having the ability to stick to what it is you've set out to do and put the work in that is required and stay positive through it all was the the lesson I learned. And you learn that through winning and through losing and through training hard and Mm -hmm. through having, you know, listening to your coaches and following the rules and, you know, just all those things that help you be successful in life. Was there anything that you struggled or wrestled with in middle school or high school? Yeah, I had pretty low self-esteem going into middle school. My dad was a guidance counselor. He was actually my guidance counselor in high school. He was a math and science teacher. That's what he majored in undergrad, but he went to grad school and majored in counseling and then switched sometime as a, when I was in elementary school, I think, to a new, new profession as a counselor. And with that, we got the benefit of all that great wisdom at home, not only as a dad, but I think he had some good advice and was just so encouraging, both of my mom and he, but he in a more clinical way, I think, if that makes sense, more of yeah, a, a guidance counselor type way. Yeah. I'm just very deliberate in saying the things and doing the things that helped build my self-esteem. But it wasn't until I became first chair flute in the seventh grade and started running track and winning, that those successes helped to fuel my self-esteem and helped me feel more positive about myself. And, you know, I think by the time I was in the end of the eighth year, I was student of the year and you know, got all the accolades in the high school, in the middle school. So then I, even though I may have been a little shy or may have been a little lower in self-esteem, those positive things help to support and um, fuel my, my self-confidence so that I didn't wallow in that as much as I might have earlier. Oh, that's really good. Thank you for sharing that. What's one thing you would tell your 8, 12, and 16-year-old self? 
Oh, eight years old. I was pretty happy-go-lucky kid. I, I would say keep exploring till you find what you love and you're really good at. You said 12. Make sure you follow Coach Washington's advice. And I know you love gymnastics, but go ahead and run track. <laughs> and then 16, I probably would say, I know you're a little sad because you aren't don't have a boyfriend and don't date so much, but you really don't have time for all that. You're going to find <laughs> a wonderful husband someday and have two wonderful kids. You don't have time for all that. That's what we try to tell my son right now. So I'd love that. I'm going to play that back for him over and over. You shared about how impactful your father is with some of that great wisdom that he provided you. And I know your mother actually has a school named after her. So she clearly is a very special person as well. But looking back, what was something you really appreciated about your parents' influence on you and your sister? You know, my parents, uh, unfortunately, are both deceased now. Uh, we looked through some recent fo photos recently of, of them. You know, they had, my, my dad talked about the power, power of positive thinking a lot. He read a lot of books about that and visualization. And we had their constant influence in our lives. I think that probably you know, as school teachers, thankfully, they had a more reasonable mm. work schedule. You know, off during the summers, we always had a summer vacation. And uh, my dad, like I said, was my guidance counselor in high school. My mother was involved in all kinds of community activities. In fact, they both were. But they just always made time for us as a family, had dinner around the table every night where my mother cooked. We uh, went to church every Sunday. They had us involved in community activities. I feel like they just did everything right. And, you know, those parents always feel like they're missing something or they did. My, I don't feel like my parents missed a boat. I just feel like they did everything right. <laughs> and I just try to model after them. I think I fall very, very short, but they just did it all. And they did it all well. They sound incredible, and obviously, you've turned into an incredible woman. After graduating high school, what were some of the options that you had just because you were such an incredible athlete? And what compelled you to head to the University of Tennessee? I probably had 60 or 70 full scholarship offers come my way. And that was before the time of, you know, Instagram and Twitter and cell phones. And so I was on the phone with these. So you would have been what we call a blue chipper today, right? I guess. Yeah. Five star recruit. <laughs> five star. Whatever. And, you know, going through this recruiting process with my daughter has brought up kind of a lot of those memories. We were not part of the NCAA when I came out of high school. That happened while I was in college. So we had fewer visits and I just took visits to Tennessee, uh, Virginia and Penn State. Two of the three of them, Virginia and Tennessee, I would go to meets there quite often. So I was very familiar with those campuses, Penn State, not so much. So it really probably came down to UVA and Tennessee because those are the three closest we had to pay for our visits. And that's as close as I go, although I was recruited by Harvard and Brown and UCLA and University of Colorado and University of Texas and Florida I didn't travel to those places to see them because it was just too far and we couldn't afford to, you know, for two plane tickets, round trip and hotel and everything else. So yeah. we drove to those uh, three visits and I feel like I made the best choice The Tennessee Lady Vols are some of the most kind of one of the most iconic women's college 
programs in the country were back then, still are trailblazers. We, our national, our track team was the first lady ball team to win a national championship uh, before the women's basketball team at Tennessee. And <laughs> all love and uh, Revere, Coach Summit, we, you know, the, t- the track team were the trailblazers at, at Tennessee early on. So we had separate men's and women's athletic departments there. And that allowed as their own women's athletic director and, you know, leading our coaches to have the discretion about how they spent the money, you know, where we went on spring break, what meets we were able to travel to, how we traveled to them. We didn't go on bus. We flew everywhere. We had the discretion to go send me to major competitions that maybe the whole team didn't go to. And so I just feel like that was the best selection that I could have made and that I had amazing support. In fact, at the end of it all, it took me five years to graduate with my engineering degree and Tennessee paid for the fifth year of college for me after I won my gold medal. So yeah, I can't say enough great things about the school. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can immediately get the latest episode. If you have any comments or questions, visit my website, seankjensen.com and go to the contact page where you can even leave me a voice recording. Winning is not everything, but the three H's to be a real hero in life are hustle, humility, and heart. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, and we'll see you again next time.